Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. Happy New Year, Derek. Happy New Year, Sean. Yeah, have a good one? I did. It was a family gathering like every year, and uh, you know, just like Christmas, it's just a, a chance for us to get together as a family. Yeah, usually we don't do too much at New Year's. Uh, everybody was working in my house, so my daughter and I decided we would go check out a movie, and uh, now New Year's started, and we're just looking to get back in a routine, and we're hoping for a great 2017. Uh, this is our for- first show of the new year. And, you know, typically at the start of the new year, you tend to look back at, uh, evaluate last yeah, year. we've done a lot of these, right? Wait, yeah. wait, no, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> this is show number 47. Yes. Wow, we've done a lot of them now. We're almost at 52. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, at this time of year, you, or beginning of the year, you look back at last year and you evaluate, you know, what did you accomplish? Was it a good year? That sort of thing. And, uh, to start this year, I want to go farther back than just this year. What do you mean? Well, the past year I've been rekindling my interests in old time camping and canoe skills. Okay. Yes. You know, I've talked about the knots and the the compass and all that sort of stuff, right? Getting out of the new technologies back into the older technologies. Well, you know, when the zombie apocalypse happened, we're going to have to rely on those old technologies. You're going to need me, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Survivor. I'm making myself indispensable. (laughs) But yeah, you know what? Like, I mean, even for Christmas, I got, I got a, a new book on, on knots and, you know, I've been beefing up my campfire cooking skills, even learn to start fires better with just flint and steel and that sort of thing. Right. And I sort of feel that these, if I want to call them for lack of a better term, vintage skills, mm-hmm. they're being left behind in preference for newer technologies. And I think with this, we're losing an essential element of the whole canoe tripping experience, the whole kayaking experience, the camping experience. Yes. You know, everybody everybody I know is geared towards lighter gear, uh-huh. the newer technologies, and, you know, and some people, oh, I'll never bring a cell phone on a canoe trip with me. And, and more and more every year, you know, you, you got a, you got a bunch of guys that got it at the beginning of this, the canoeing season. And then there's even more that have the, the phones and stuff by the end of the paddling season. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's building every year, every year. It is. And we're relying too heavily on battery powered or fragile technologies. And I, I like, I myself, like the last couple times I've gone with uh, the guys at work, uh, one of the, one of the, the leader of the group, he, uh, he tends to like to bring on his phone, digital topographical maps of the route, because we, yep. we went in route finding, we would, he would always turn back and rely on these, right? So he has a various battery backups to charge his phone during the trip and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I'm always like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's great. And he's running the trip. So I'm yeah, sure I'll use your uh, digital topographical map. But it's, you wonder, like all it takes is him to drop his phone in the water or whatever, right? And you're done. Yeah. It's like if we're route finding with an electronic device. Yeah. Oh. It's... Too easy to whip out the GPS, highly detailed map and plot your course. Yeah. You know, when was the last time you actually had a handheld compass? I didn't carry it. it. I did. I've, oh, well, I used to, I carried it right up until this year or last year. Last year. So last year I didn't carry the compass and that's because I got a new map case and Mm -hmm. the new map case doesn't have a pocket that I used to keep the compass in. But the last time I used a compass... If I were to sit you down right now with a map and a compass and say, get from point A to point B, how fast would you be able to remember all your skills to do it? It would take a little time, but I recall, I I know how to triangulate on a map Mm -hmm. to find the three points and narrow down to where I I am located. I'm really good at at, uh, reading topographical maps. And I actually took a um, member preacher, uh, David Sullivan. Yep. Me and him, we did, uh, he came across it, he pointed it out to me, and I did, it was a, it was a, an exam, an online test to test your map reading and navigational skills, and it all had to do, it was probably nine, 
nine out of 10 questions, there, I think there was like 25 questions, but the majority of the questions were, had to do with reading topographical maps and the symbols on topographical maps. I did actually really good on that test. Uh, I was impressed with how much I recalled and how much I was able to do. And like I said, if I <clears throat> was thrown in the middle of nowhere and had to triangulate on a map, it would probably take me a little while. And it, as handy it is to have a compass that's, uh, uh, what do you call it when you angle in the north, the true north, over the map north, where you have to take it off. Like here in Ontario, I think we're at like 22 degrees off. Yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah so whatever that's called. like I, True north I, versus magnetic yeah, north. But if you're yeah. going to be navigating by map and compass, you don't need that set up. You, you just need it to triangulate. Yeah. But how many people, younger people... Oh, I don't think there's any. Do you think could actually do that anymore? See... I mean, I learned it in Air Cadets when I did my air crew survival courses and I, stuff like I that, I learned right? mine the same way. When I uh, first joined the military, we did uh, survival training, and it was like a couple weeks out in the bush, and uh, we had to do a lot of map and compass and navigational readings. We had nighttime navigational mm -hmm. courses. There was a whole bunch of stuff like that where we learned how to be more intimate with a map and compass and how to navigate by whatever means, like map the stars or moss on trees the finding the north and yeah. whatever right yeah i think that I, I i think it's becoming a lost art on a lot of it people. is i mean it's great that everybody's getting out there nowadays but i think everybody is getting out there with the the latest and greatest yep right? oh absolutely absolutely people have really enveloped and and well just this last year i bought my first spot yeah and it was uh it, it's the Spot Connect where you absolutely have to have a phone to make it work. So yeah. I'm a little bummed that I actually need to bring my phone with me because I, I didn't research enough. Apparently. I thought it was, I thought I could just turn it on and make it go, but you need the phone. But uh, a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are purchasing all these newfangled devices and, and relying really heavily on them. Well, I've had my Spot unit since uh, I've got version one still. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was given to me as a gift basically for when I do my solo trips. Yeah. You know, people, they can track me, they can follow track me you, along. Track you, know where to find the body and, and if stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Where to haul my carcass out. Yeah. Um, but, but other than that. But that doesn't involve you. You just no, turn it on. I and turn go. it on and walk. And, yeah. Right. So it, it, that's not, you're not interacting with it. Yeah. It's just turned on and it's tracking you. Whereas mine, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed that I got the version that I got. I should have got the Gen 3 and just, it's one of those things where you can just turn on and go. You don't, you're, it's, you're not involved in it. You're not relying on it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just something to keep the family know where you are. Right. Well, and that's why I like the, the Gen 1. I've been contemplating Gen 3 and all that and the other bits they've gotten, even the cell phone or the, the sat phones and. No, I, I just renewed my Gen 1. Mm -hmm. I'll just keep going with that. Um, but with the cell phones and all that sort of stuff, and even the the battery chargers, yep. you know, that you bring along, and if your phone dies or whatever, you've got enough charge in that little portable unit to mm -hmm. give your phone an extra charge. I know you've got a big I've one got there. got one right in front of me right now. Yep. I was my son my got one for Christmas. Ago. Yeah, You know, uh, it's a lot of high technology stuff that people are getting. And... I really believe that the old technology, and I, I'm I I I just got an affinity for it. I think because I I used to use it as a kid and as a teenager and a young adult. You know that's stuff that I learned then, and it's really I've really gotten away from it. And I mean, I even looked at Astrolabs this summer. They're expensive. What's Astrolabs? Remember, like Jacques Cartier used to dial oh, in to things. look at the stars. Yeah. you can still get them. But man, they're like 400 bucks. Yeah, they're expensive. You know, it's like, so if anybody's yeah. got one, doesn't want it, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's old technology. I mean, you look behind me and I've got that old World War II big tube the radio. radio. Yeah. Right. That I still, I still do ham radio and amateur, mm -hmm. amateur radio on it and stuff. And uh, it's just the old technology is, is really cool. Um, so with that in mind... I wanted to talk a bit about old time, turn of the century canoe trips. The difference in then versus now. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> do you, number one, do you think you could do it with all that gear? I don't think that would be a problem. Would no. you want to do it with all that gear? Maybe not. Maybe not. But it adds. Would it be cool? It would be cool. It would be cool to have all that cool. gear and give it a, give it a go. Yeah. 
Um, now, we had talked about this before, not as in depth. One of the things I've noticed when we go canoe tripping is you get to, you, you, you zip across the lake, you get to the portage, and you're all, oh, I can do this in one carry. Yeah. You throw the pack on your back, you throw the canoe on, and <laughs> you're a zip across that yeah. portage. It's almost a you race. You throw it right back in the water and you're off yeah. again. You're racing yourself. Bill Mason in his Water Walker movie said, this is the part of the portage he likes, going back for the second load. Mm-hmm. Because, and I mean, you look at, you watch the movie, and if you haven't, you should watch the movie. Who hasn't seen it? <laughs> I know somebody <laughs> that hasn't seen it. <laughs> Won't name names, but it rhymes with Derek. <laughs> I didn't even know the thing existed until like six months ago. <laughs> so anyway, when you watch that movie, you'll see the big gear he has, like the heavy packs and stuff like that. It's not it's not a quick little one-man solo tent and, you know, a bare-bones sleeping bag and, you know, lightweight, we're going to measure this to the nearest gram and carry as little as possible, yeah. you know, to get across that, that portage sort of thing. There was no getting out of a double portage or a triple portage. No, but the gear, just like if you had a Wanigan, you can't, it, the, and I've seen people on trips, I, I've come across people carrying the Wanigan and it's just a big wooden box on your back. Yeah. And you can't carry that and a canoe just because the Wanigan, you've got the tump line that goes across your head. And for the most part, they, like they have rudimentary straps for the shoulders. So if you're wearing a Wanigan, how are you going to get the yoke across your neck? you know the canoe. It does, yeah. doesn't work. Magic. Yes, magic. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? When you start looking, like right now, I got a big sea line, big yellow pack. Yeah. Well, I throw everything in there, mm-hmm. right? But if you look at a Wanigan, that's got all your stuff in it. It's organized. It's compartmentalized. And I, I remember the trip that we saw these two guys. They were, it was me and Marcus, I believe, and... We came across them and like the guy showed us the Wanigans because we were like, what are you carrying? Yeah. <laughs> At the time, we didn't know what a Wanigan was and we heard something about it. Anyway, so he opened it up and showed us there was like a little, there's a little wooden, it's it's like your silverware drawer in your kitchen. Yeah. It's, it's got little tiny places for all your utensils or your spices or your, your plates and your cookware. Exactly. And your so, food. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a, like a picnic box or yeah. something, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... There's so much different. So let's let's start at the canoe. Sure. Cedar canvas. I've got one. It's heavier than. It's a pure. Yeah. Seventy five pounds, I think mine is. Yeah, compared to I've got a thirty four pounds. Your your ultralight, your new one. My new one. Yeah, yeah. my prospector. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean that's nothing. You throw that on, you're gone. Yeah. But you know you're working. When you got that cedar canvas canoe on your shoulder, <laughs> yeah. especially after, you know, when you're, you're zipping after a full day of canoeing mm-hmm. and your shoulders are sore from canoeing and all that and all the portages you've done and you've got that thing on your shoulders. One thing I noticed too with it is uh, like, and you've probably know, I don't know if you, have you ever portaged a cedar canvas? Yeah. Yeah. So what I've noticed is that when you're going through and you're taking turns on a portage, you have to think ahead because you have to get the canoe, the inertia of the canoe turning before you run into that, that, that pine tree in front of you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or with, but with my, with my uh, Kevlar canoe, it's only 41 or 42 pounds. And it just, as soon as I turn, I can almost turn the canoe just by looking and turning my head. The thing is so light on my shoulders. Yeah. So you have to, you have to be conscious of every step you take. And about your turns, and if you're going to go uphill or downhill, you have to be prepared to get this giant weight. Weight, and it's it's they almost 16, 17 feet long. So you have to get it turning, but you can't make it turn too fast, or else it'll keep turning. It's just there's so much inertia and weight behind it. Yeah. So I mean that alone mm-hmm. is is a big deal. Yes. You know from from a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's still people that use them today. And especially when, like a cedar canvas, if it starts to get waterlogged, yeah. like you, you go from your 70 pound canoe and you may end up being, by the end of the trip, if you've taken in a lot of rain and the cedar panels inside, if they're not 
perfectly sealed and they're going to start gaining weight and get another 20 pounds worth of water yeah plugging around <laughs> you're 80 pounds and i'll become 100 exactly. pounds you really notice it oh that's a big dog but on the other <laughs> hand when i with my my kevlar canoe it's like wow it's only 42 pounds mm-hmm. and it so, stays 42 pounds it stays 42 pounds except on portages because it's like well this is light so i i strap small pieces of gear, my water bottle. Yeah. I have my three paddles tied to the to, to the thwarts. It's like, so suddenly I've got a 60 pound canoe again because I've tied so much stuff to the inside of the canoe. So you don't have to carry it yeah. by hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's with anything. As soon as you start saving weight, it's like, oh, I can now carry this item or that item. Stuff that you generally wouldn't need anyways, but now there are luxury items that you carry extra. Well, see, and that's what I want to get into a little later there is, does all this lightweight gear just cause you to bring more gear? Yeah, I think it does. Right? I'm pretty sure it does. Well, yeah, that's only a one pound or, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a, a 100 gram item. Yeah. Oh, I can take four. <laughs> when you only need one. <laughs> Tents. Waxed canvas, they're heavy. Ugh. Some of them you got used to have to cut poles, you know, cut the tree po- yep. the trees to, to make the poles yep. for it. Um, and there was no sleeping bags. You had wool blankets. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I mean, the canvas tent itself is heavy. I, I think that's the biggest happy luxury thing for me. And it's, I wouldn't want to back up on that because, well, for me, I, I hate bugs. Mm-hmm. But think of the humidity, moisture, heat. Really, that, that could, for me, that really makes or breaks a trip. Can you yeah. imagine a big, heavy canvas tent that you really have to concentrate on portaging that sucker if you have it? And if it gets wet, it's even heavier, just like the canoe. And well, let's, it doesn't let's, keep the bugs out. No, let's give this little tidy tidbit fun fact if you will to anybody that's ever slept in a canvas canoe or a canvas tent has heard these words don't touch Touch the side it'll leak Derek don't touch the wall (laughs) why (laughs) anybody that slept in a canvas tent has heard those words I remember we don't touch the side we had a stinky old moldy smelling my mom and dad had it it was a big old canvas tent and I remember us as kids we would draw pictures in moisture and beauty on the walls and then that happy face that we drew or whatever we just ooze and bleed water during the rainstorm yeah, <laughs> yeah. stop touching the walls Derek <laughs> what wasn't me it was Tony <laughs> yeah and I mean now you've got I mean you have that and it just holds the heat and whatnot in there and the humidity yeah. but you know the now the tents you have now uh, I mean my my spitfire is you know I take the the fly off and it's just a giant mesh yeah. Container. Yeah. You know, you can look I mean, the wind goes through. I yeah. can, yeah, sleep out in the open with, away from the bugs. and Keeps the bugs away. Yeah. So, okay, you know what? I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll give you that. And they pack up so much smaller nowadays, too. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Like yeah. Some of these small, like right now, I'm, one of my favorite things is my Hennessy hammock. And when I go camping with the guys, I just, go off into the trees and hang my Hennessy hammock. and You can probably take so 10 small. of those for the size of one of the old canvas Oh, canoes. absolutely. <laughs> 10 or 20 of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for yeah. the same size. Uh, clothing. Wool. A lot of it was wool. Yeah. Uh, no lightweight waterproof gear. Mm-hmm. You had, uh, I mean, you had your, your waterproofing, the waxing canvas, yeah. rain jacket stuff or whatever. Boots, suspenders and long pants. Think about that if you were to overturn in the middle of a lake how heavy that would be it would just waterlog you god yeah like that would like there is no water shoes wool, that we've got does now does wool stay buoyant when it's wet or do, would it drag I think you it down it sucks in all the water yeah hmm yeah, wouldn't it, it be wouldn't nasty? be comfortable that'd be that'd be heavy yeah. Well, think about a pair of wet, a wet wool socks you used to have as a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. You used to you get a soaker, it off, right? And it goes and thump, thump when you drop it on the now floor. Now picture a whole shirt or, <laughs> or a, whole a jacket or whatever or, with that. Now, mind you, back in the day, they really didn't have life jackets either. Yes. Right? Yeah. They had rudimentary flotation devices of but, some I mean, sort. Yeah. You're, you're looking at them just in a jacket or something yeah. in the fall or, yeah. you know, the spring or on a, on a chilly yeah. day or whatever. A lot of people didn't have it. 
you you flip your toast, uh-huh. right? And then there's also the and it, this ties into my aversion to bugs is I I I can't wear wool. It I find it so itchy. I'm like a girl that way. <laughs> the princess and the pea. Like in wool, like I can't wear it in socks. I Like even merino wool. I got a nice long sleeve merino wool under uh, like a under layer t-shirt type thing with a long sleeve. I can't wear it. I find really? it way too itchy. And it's merino wool. Huh. My birthday's coming up in October. I'm way too sensitive. <laughs> You're sensitive. Oh, Derek's the sensitive one. <laughs> well, th- think of the... Like these layers and stuff, like, yeah, you layer, 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 like, but man, like they say wool still is warm when it's wet. Yeah. But how miserable you be like. Warm and wet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you get the wick away stuff nowadays and and that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like nowadays, like if you get some, there's some of the shirts and and t-shirts that I have, I can be wet and not feel wet. Mm-hmm. Like Even I can, with the, I've got those level six uh, booties. Yep. Right. They get wet, but my feet don't feel wet, and they stay warm. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, that sort of thing. So, and that's where that's where the technology of clothing has advanced, and and it's just been recently too. Like I remember when I first got into, it would have been two thousand and two, two thousand and one, when I first started tripping. Before that, I was I was into hiking out west in British Columbia. Moved here, I started canoe tripping and kayak tripping, and so when I started doing that with with meaning and force, it was the only thing I really knew about that was technical of quality was like the early versions of of Gore Tex jackets mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and I I never pricey. bought it. Yeah, too pricey. I never yeah. bought into. I never. No. I've never had a Gore Tex jacket. Never no, had. I never bought into all that. But over the last few years, now that there's more choices. And prices have come down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got the lighter pants when they have the zippers that you can, you know, zip the legs off and have yes. a pair of shorts sort of yeah. thing. And they got the pockets and all that sort of stuff, right? So I, I get into all that sort of sort of things now. I used to do nothing but jeans. I grew up fishing, canoeing, yeah. camping, and jeans. It was always, whereas my grandfather used to say, dungarees, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Dungarees. Um, lighters. They didn't have... Like yeah. go to the corner store and pick up a couple of Bic lighters yeah. back in the day, flint and steel and some flint char and cloth. And I've I got my first I got my first flint and steel for Christmas this year. Yeah, I've I've had a few of them so far. I've seen people try it. I've had a couple rudimentary ones that I've tried out that other people loan me, and but it's I've never this year I'm summer I, I'm I am going to start a fire with flint and steel. <laughs> no, I've done it before. I've done it I've a few it. times. Yeah, yeah. I've never done it's, it. It's really not as hard as, as you seem to think. No, right? and from the videos you see of Survivor Man, this, that, the other thing, it's like it looks simple enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty you cool. You just have dry tinder. Yeah. That's and you key. know what? So, I mean, for me, it would not be a difference not having a lighter. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, GPS. No GPS back in the day. Compass. Yeah. Right, we 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 talked about that already. Sort of yeah, same worked, with the maps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's uh, you're hard pressed to find a decent topographical map in an outdoor store these days. Mm-hmm. They've got it, it where you see <clears throat> now. Unfortunately, radio isn't very visual, but used to see these this big wall of maps and these big rolled up tubes of maps yes. and all these topo maps and you'd have to find your grid coordinates of where you're going you go to the to the huge shelf of topo maps and you'd go and find the specific topo maps of the area that you're going to and nowadays you've got a big rack of of cds for your to load into your gps for your digital topographic maps and you have to order online proper topo maps unless you go to a proper outdoor or like store, the government bookstore government or something like that, bookstores they, yeah. and stuff like that. But for the most part people don't it's not worth the overhead to carry topo yeah, maps they don't want the big piece of paper nowadays. to carry with them anymore like i, I wonder if it, like i don't think you could find one at mac now either i'm pretty sure you couldn't the topo maps i yeah. don't yeah i don't think so and the the last store I recall having top of maps, it closed. It's uh, right by Gagnon Sports. Barclays. Barclays. Yeah. So they closed. That's the last place I recall buying a, my my last top of map. I do believe uh, Barclays was owned by the Viola Brothers. <laughs> yes, I recall that. Yes. Yeah, Reno and his brother. Shout out to Reno there. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the day, some of the maps they were using, they weren't even totally accurate. No, no. Right? Because they didn't have the satellites it's zipping down. It's satellite It it's, was somebody that went around yeah. drawing the maps by hand, mm-hmm. and then they would mass produce the maps from somebody's drawing. Yeah. And, and he, he happened to be hung over or sick that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, you look at some of these historic maps from back in the day, from the early 1900s, late 1800s, and, you know, before that, and there's a lot of errors, but you can see where it gets the job done, mm-hmm. but you're going to be missing a bay here, an island yeah. there. and it, so, could, it could cause you to f- miss a portage or, yes. or something like that, have yeah. to hunt for one. And even the portage, I mean, like you go to Algonquin Park and they're all mar- marked, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, you go farther north, they're like Woodland Caribou and stuff, and they're, they're not marked. marked. There's a little uh, little pile of uh, rocks or something to mark it. Marking, but. yeah. But now think of it back in the day, let's say late 1800s, when if if you are going to go on some trip, some journey, whatever, you're either going to have experience, mm-hmm. and you're going to know how to find your portage. You've probably been through that area before. If not, then you hire a guide. And hiring guides, hiring, they called them canoemen. Yep. Back in the day. So you'd hire your canoeman and you'd go on this trip and do whatever. And that was, that's what you did. It's like nowadays is us going and getting a cab to go wherever they used to do canoeman back in the day. Yep. yep. And so that's, that's another thing that's hugely changed. Like we, everybody's an expert now. You just, you Google it. How do I find a portage? You Google it. How do I, you know, carry a canoe? You Google it. Google tells you everything. It's like my daughter says, Google is your friend. Google is your friend. And yep. and Google is your friend. Like you can learn everything you need to do. Like the massive amount of data and information we have at our fingertips nowadays is unprecedented. Like who knew oh, yeah. that we would have this before? It was like you go to the Funk and Wagnalls or the the whatever dictionary and, and it's just the compendium information is so easier to find nowadays than what it used That's to be. That's why libraries are so smaller and so fewer nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Because no one reads out of books half the time. No, you go to the library. But like I say, I got a couple of books for Christmas and I love them. Yeah. You know, well, you're reading no, and looking at them. And... There's no real research to do in a library anymore. No. It's all you, online. It's you. The, the library where I live, you go in there, they have all the paperback books and novels, this, that, the other thing. And the research sections are so small. You just have a diversity of different books that they have. on, And, and there's a whole sections, like a huge section dedicated to daily newspapers and ma- various magazines, the monthly magazines and stuff like that. And there's a whole section of... Uh, of uh, what do you call the books that read to you, like uh, books on tape or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's apparently a big thing now. Yeah. So, but yeah, li- every, you know, everything changes, right? And uh, libraries and businesses, they have to keep up with the change. Well, I mean, there there's the joke uh, that's been going around for the last couple of years saying, when we get really old, cursive writing is going to be like a secret language that young kids <laughs> won't understand. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're not taught, taught exactly. it in school. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not taught anymore. Yeah. Um, getting back to the Wanigan, the old packs, the old Duluth canvas packs. I was looking at those today online. Oh, they're hugely expensive. I know. Oh, man. To go retro on one of these old canvas packs, you're spending big bucks to find a retro pack. Hundreds of bucks, too. Yeah. Well, when we were at the Canadian Outdoor Equipment Store. Oh, yeah, we looked at a couple, yeah. Looked at a couple there, and I'm just like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Can we have another kid? Because this one's going to cost me a, like the third born. <laughs> what is it? It's waxed canvas or something? What do they call yeah, it? Yeah, something it's... like that. Waxed canvas is the term I've heard. Yeah. But I think some of those are leather though. Some, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. uh, it's waxed canvas with leather straps and, mm-hmm. and, uh, lines and stuff. And I mean, nowadays the packs, you know, like, I mean, like my sea line, it's got the strap, the shoulder straps, of course. Yeah. With, and it adjusts here and it adjusts here it's and it adjusts basic. there and it straps across here. And then it's got the big waist belt yeah. to help take the weight off and put it on your hips. Yeah. And Well, the old packs didn't have any of that. No. The Wanigans didn't have any. I mean, a lot of the Wanigans you see only had Just the tump line. a tump line. Have, so have you ever tried that? Oh, what am I, I, got, a, I got an old uh, canvas pack in my yeah. garage and it's got two thin leather strap yeah. for shoulders. And a tump line. And a tump line. And if you feel that thing, I mean, your head, your 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 neck muscles are tense. I imagine for the entire time. you would get used to it. But the short time that, like my Eureka pack, came with a tump line, 
and I used it once or twice just to try shifting the weight because I had it packed so full and it was heavy. So just to, I would like, you know, go change the weight from the hips to the shoulders to the head, hips, shoulders, head, just to rotate on longer portages. And uh, one thing I just could not put up with was the tump line. Yeah. And I think that's just where you, back in the day, you'd get used to it and you'd grow massive neck muscles like you were saying. Well, I even look at further back, the voyageurs, they said they would grow a hump on their back. Oh yeah. Like because of all the muscles, right? <laughs> From carrying all the packs Giant and all the, muscles. the, yeah, all the stuff on their shoulders and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I mean there, right, right there alone, just the packs alone have made a huge difference over the it years. Has. Um, lightweight saws. No, you always had an axe back in the day. Yep. There was none of these lightweight, packable, foldable little, yeah, little saws, foldable saws, you know, that, like the, the trailblazer yeah. saw that we've got, you know, everything folds into the tube, which is like part of it. And that's, <laughs> yeah. those didn't exist. Uh, another biggie is food. That... You did not have all the dehydrate. Now you would have dehydrated or not dehydrated, but dried, dried fish, dried meat, salted pork. Stuff yes. like that, right? Yeah. But if you took anything like beans or whatever, it was all in cans or everything was, there was no like fresh fruit and there was no fresh. You're carrying a lot of water weight in your food. You are. And that's what it was. Is he, all, the, all the food was full on ingredients to make yeah. meals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you know? You're just like in your house, you're preparing a meal. It's like going to your cupboard, picking it's up amazing. these, go to the fridge, get these. Okay, let's make food. Right? <laughs> I didn't have all the lightweight dehydrated food. Um, and <laughs> for long trips, I mean, if you're going out for three weeks. Yeah. Can you imagine sweet three Sweet bejeebers, weeks? man. Oh. <laughs> I mean, no way. You know, and then you're dealing with spoilage. Exactly. You know, I, I've exactly. read some trips where, you know, they were, it was more humid. So when they had some bread, by the time they were getting a week and a half in, they're peeling all the mold off and eating whatever was left. And I remember an old show on, uh, I think it was Discovery Channel. And so they had a bunch of guys reenacting the trip of the voyageurs by canoe. And so it, these canoes were like insanely heavy. They had to cut down trees to help roll it across portages. So they just made big rollers. But anyways, they... Uh, in one of the scenes I recall from it, they they opened up the wooden box of oatmeal and they had to scoop out the edges of the blue molded oatmeal because it was the humidity of the trip, the mm -hmm. constant rain. So they, they were scooping out and they, they were commenting to the cameraman about uh, how much more wastage they're getting than they expected They because forgers back in the day knew about this spoilage and they knew how to prepare for it. And in the, they, they were making comments and notes by the, the narrator about it. And they were saying that <clears throat> they were talking about all this spoilage. And so the guy was saying that he, he's had the help. They had to, they tried eating the blue mold oatmeal because they were down to the last of it, but they had to throw it out because it, it was, they were worried about health and yeah. welfare. Back in the day, I think the voyagers were just, they just, they, would eat just it. Eat it. they didn't care. I mean, back in the day, the voyagers were the lowest of the low and, you know, they were just tools to be used yeah. to, to get their goods Mm -hmm. out west and their furs back out east they didn't really care if somebody died along the way or whatever as long as they got their goods to go right how hardy would you have to have been oh man like you've seen the display up at the canadian canoe museum yep. of the voyageurs yep. the canoe where they slept under the canoe it tipped over with canvas and they had these huge wooden boxes of whatever they're transporting it's like that's insane yep and it was almost like a race going across the portages yep so, yeah, I mean, food alone, cookware, plates, bowls, cups, utensils, they were all heavy. Cast iron pans. It's none of these lightweight spoons and nope. rubberized no, bowls and cups no anymore. No mini titanium kettles. Yeah. Yeah. None no, of that. No little mini espresso machines. Oh, okay, count me out now. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was right into this up until then. Now, here's what we were talking about before the portages. Heavier gear means multiple trips. Yeah. Whereas, you know, lighter gear, you can do it all in a single carry. And that is always the thing on the forums and everything. Yeah. Everybody's always talking about doing single carries. Oh, I hate doing multiple carries. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I want to do a single carry. Oh, I could have done a single carry. Maybe halfway through the trip when we've eaten half our food, we can start doing single carries and save time. Are you not out there? <laughs> to enjoy the outdoors. To enjoy the yes. outdoors. And, you know, it's it's sort of a 
have we lost or are we losing the whole reason we're out there and making it a race to get from point A to point B by the end of the day? Yes, exactly. You know, and like, like, yeah, can, okay, let's get to the port. Oh, <laughs> no, I want to single. I just want to single it once across. Yeah. Just to get over the other side. Well, then there's no walk back to actually see the portage exactly. and check out yeah. the water that you're going around. Or why are you portaging this? What, where do you bypass Precisely. It, right? You're just more geared on getting your butt and all your gear across <laughs> that portage. Now, I could argue both sides of this coin. Like on the, on the positive side, I, I, I really do enjoy uh, double carry mm-hmm. because you, you're walking the portage three times. But one of those times, it's just you and a water bottle, maybe yep. a, maybe a bottle of Gorp, and you're you're just you know eating some fruit, nuts, berries, chatting, walking the way, and you know me and my wife, we love that part of it of wandering back across the portage. On the other side of the coin, there's some portages where I know, like going down the Tim River, and and um, there's it's muddy, mucky, shadowy, and you know you're going to get just eaten alive by bugs. So the quicker you get it. And yeah. As soon as you, like, as soon as you get about twenty yards into the middle of the lake, the bugs are gone. So I just want to get across that darn portage, get back in the water, and get away from the bugs. It's all about the but bugs. But there's but there's some portages that you know are going to be buggy. Yeah. So you make the endeavor, but there's also some like there's a few like uh, that, and I can think of at least two or three right in my head right now that they're such nice portages that you I end up doing shore lunches on them. It's like I'm gonna walk the gear across, I'm going to walk back, have some lunch, bring the rest of the gear across and make it, you know, make make it a nice. But then again, there's the single carry thing and, and I've done it before and I'll do it again. It's like you get out of the campsite late, you know you're going to a popular lake. It's like if we don't get in by two in the afternoon, we're going to be paddling around that lake hoping to find an empty campsite. Yeah. So it's like, go, go, go. We have to single carry. We have to get to that that lake and find a campsite by two. Otherwise, all the good ones are gone. That really makes a good case for going farther afield. Oh, absolutely. Like, and when, when I've, when, as soon as you get two or three portages under your belt into the center of like Algonquin or Woodland Caribou or whatever, like Woodland Caribou, there's not too many people, but Algonquin's popular, yeah. over a million people a year. And they, as soon as you get two or three portages into the center of the park, it's desolate. There's nobody like the, you've passed the occasional Especially person. in the spring and fall. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. get a lot of, a lot of, um, the, the kids camps and stuff like that in the summers. Uh, a lot of tourists, campers, stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody's summer vacation. And but... they're not going very deep into the lake. No, no, because, most of them, no. Because they're portaging like a 2-4 and stuff like that, right? Yeah. They're, they're out there to party. They're not out there to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. It's an excuse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think with the modern day gear, you're in more of a hurry to cross those portages and you're missing. Because a big, part, a of your, a, a big part of the canoe trip <clears throat> is the portage. Absolutely. You know, seeing what's out there and, you know, oh yeah, let's, these, these are elms trees and these are oak yeah. trees and this yeah. is a, a red pine, a white pine. And, and look at this. Oh, look, there's some squirrels, some red squirrels mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, for me, the kids are going to slow me down and make me enjoy the outdoors more because like, you know, my kids, like I've said before, they're three and six. And <clears throat> when I take them out camping this year, it's, it, it's going to be an experience. It's, it's uh, get to the gear to the other side, but then it's going to be a slow time walk with the kids to to enjoy that part of the trip. Yeah, and yeah. and I look forward to those slow portages. I think I think that's a big thing is people really got to start slowing down and, and enjoying the portages yeah. as, as much exactly. as they can. Not the fact that they're enjoying them by carrying gear, but take notice of what you're passing by. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, environmental concerns and leave no trace. Back in the day, that really wasn't There wasn't a enough concern. people to cause yeah. a problem. Well, and like I say, you'd cut down poles to put up your canvas tent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You'd need the poles. You'd need to make trees. a tripod over the fire to hang yeah. a billy can. That sort of thing. You wouldn't worry. You wouldn't care about cutting down trees to yes. do this, that, and the other thing. And th- this is a movement afoot of, of 
higher populations and you know what is it back in the 70s and 80s when we became more and more aware of cfcs in in aerosol sprays and whatnot acid you know, rain affecting the ozone layers acid rain so we we have been forced to wake up and be aware that we are not part of our environment we are affecting our environment we're a parasite on the environment we used to they, do, they used to drink right, right from the lakes and the the streams back in the once day. once upon a time you could well, nowadays now I, mean, I would still argue that yeah you don't know when there's a dead moose uh, rotting in the creek ahead of you somewhere and... no i mean when you're talking the 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 big lakes and stuff like yes that, I mean, you're, they just scoop out and where you go but even now there's a lot of people that i've done it yeah you know but you don't know no, you don't. Nowadays, what you're drinking. Well, the risks um, are too high. Just yeah. environmental pollutants. There's a, there's a lake on the east side of the park. I can't remember the name of the lake off the top of my head, but they have an algae bloom problem every year when it gets Oh, Lavalier. Warm. Is it Lavalier? I'm not sure it was Lavalier. So there's an algae bloom problem, and uh, they're saying that you, you can't filter it. You, you can't, can't camp on the lake. Boil it. They, they close the lake. Yeah. Like, you, you often think, well, I'll just boil the water. Apparently, boiling this algae releases toxins into the water. Yeah. So, it's, and it's not filterable toxins. Yeah, That's, you just don't you know nowadays. You cannot do, you cannot drink the water. Yeah. And you cannot not allow your animal to drink the water. It's very dangerous. And these are the results of, of human interaction with the environment. Yeah. And one of the last things here I want to touch on is bug spray. <laughs> yeah. 116, 17 years ago, what were they using for, you know, they didn't have Deep Woods Off Sportsman Edition. <laughs> what did they use? Pine tar? What? I don't know. It was Blood? like a bear fat and pine or you something like that. All, all mixed. I mean, I know that I've seen the Voyager films there and they're covering themselves with a mixture of But they never stuff washed, so on. they had so much dirt on their skin that bugs yeah. probably couldn't Bugs probably it. bounced right off. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be so leathery and sunburned and, and they have thick woolen clothing. Yeah. I think if I were to do something like this, I would go more along the lines of a hybrid version. Combining the combine old, old technology with new technology. So I take my new ca- my new canoe, my new tent. I might get a wand again, yeah, um, and throw the stuff in there instead of the pack. Maybe go with a, a tump line, shoulder strap combo, right? Um, go with the flint and steel. Bring the compass instead of the GPS. Yeah, you bring your maps. I'd still bring my you know I'd bring a, a saw or a, a, a hatchet a axe. Yeah. Whatever. I do know anyways. I'd probably bring my, my sleeping bag instead of the wool blanket, but you never know if you're going that route. <laughs> um, I slept on the ground up until six years ago when I hurt my back and the cold yeah. got my back and just killed me. Yeah, I can't but sleep I, on I always sleep right on the ground, and now and then I was introduced to thermarests. <laughs> they're glorious. Otherwise, when I was they keep still, the air in, they're glorious. Yeah. <laughs> I would still be sleeping on the ground if I wasn't introduced to thermarests. Yeah? Yeah. I, I never had a problem with it until, like I say, I hurt my back. And yeah. then the next camping trip, the cold got into it, my mm-hmm. lower back, and just killed. But I think, yeah, I think definitely a hybrid between 1900 and 2016 <laughs> technology would be a pretty cool trip. Now, one thing when I was when I was uh, researching um, some of this stuff, I remember seeing a while back. There's a group of people out there, and they actually dress up with. And the only thing I can say is, remember the old piano players from the movies, the westerns? Yes. They had the little bowler hat on and the yep. vests and the little tie thing, and they were they were all dressed like that style, yeah. doing canoe trips. <laughs> and I I could not Completely for life retro. me. I couldn't find any of that, that retro stuff at all. And I really wish I could, because I'd like to figure that one out. But um, yeah, it it's really interests me looking back over 100 years ago now and see what it was like versus now. For me, I think gears in this day and age, like back then, today, gears, gear. And for me, I think you just shouldn't allow the gear to get between you and enjoying the outdoors. That and that's, is that's the big where thing. 
that's where a lot of the new gear you're you spend so much time focusing on the technologies the gps that's the other thing you're not really reading your environment and enjoying your environment you should allow you shouldn't allow the gear to come between you and enjoying the outdoors well you know what there's times when i'm out there and everybody loves a nice day out they can go paddling around the lake they go do some fishing and all that oh i hate it when it rains there's days when i love the rain oh i love rain the fact that you're sitting under the tarp yeah. and you got enough wood to keep the fire going my bear barrel yeah it's not really a, my barrel um i have put a checkerboard on the bottom oh, of yeah. the lid so all I do is I flip that over and we can sit under that tarp when it's raining. Mm -hmm. You know, you get some coffee going or whatever, a drink going, you're having some snacks and you can play checkers. Some guy stones, yeah. the other guy's pine cones and you, you have a little game of checkers and you're relaxing and you're out there, you're enjoying, you're watching the thing, the weather go by. You're seeing the animals, you know, in, in the rain going, the birds yeah. go flying by and stuff like that. I like paddling in the rain. You know what? I enjoy paddling in the rain. I don't, I like it paddling in the rain without all my gear. Yes. Like I if agree. I, if, I if we got base camp set up somewhere yeah. that I can, you know, we go out, we paddle, we're fishing, we get soaked. I can go back to camp, get changed in some dry yeah. clothes and sit under the tarp. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. It's just that when then you're trying to set up camp in the rain. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, you know what? And I, I think that hits it on the head is we concentrate now so much on the gear. And that was sort of my point before with the portages. Are we concentrating so much on getting from point A to point B that mm -hmm. we're starting to lose what we think we're out there to get? Precisely, yeah. Because that's what we're doing. We're escaping from the city to go enjoy nature. But, but you're bringing the city with you. We're bringing the city attitude. Well, we got this gear. We yeah. got this. We got this. We got to go there. We got to go here. We got to go. Let's set this up and let's get this gear and let's get this. Let's zip across because we got to get yeah. over there. And, da, da, da. and you're not taking that time. Is that what we're doing? I, we are. I, I And I think a lot of people have it figured out. But there's too many people I think are some people who are new to paddling and other people who are old hats at it are allowing too much technology to in, in they're allowing it to interfere with what they're doing out there and what they're trying to get out of it and it's one of the things that me and my wife discussed we we're determined to try and have the have the kids not follow that technology path and enjoy the outdoors you know what that that's i bring my spot unit and i bring my camera gear because i do my landscape photography yeah. and stuff like that um but other than that I don't bring any tech with me. Mm -hmm. I refuse. And and I mean, I know some people that were like me. They said, no, I'm not bringing anything, not bringing anything. And you turn around now and we're, oh, he's over there with his cell phone trying to get reception for something yeah. or, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, now he's getting that hooked up to this charger and, you know, he's got the solar panels out because he yeah. wants to listen to music on his <laughs> iPod or whatever, that sort of stuff. And. It, it, it does slowly creep in, and I think that's a big trap people fall into. Absolutely. Is, oh, you know what, I'll just bring the iPod. I can listen to it while I'm sleeping. Or, you know, at the end of the night, to put that in, help me doze off, wind me down sort of thing. Mm -hmm. or what, and then next thing you know, you're sitting under the tarp and you're listening to it while, you know, while it's raining. Or, you know, or, yeah. oh, I'm just going to play this little game of Tetris on my... <laughs> <laughs> my phone or whatever yeah. right and before you know it you've got this and you got this and you got this and yeah. you got this you could do that at you, home yeah you know we we do the car camping and you know we got our our pop-up trailer and yeah we bring the the laptop so i can download my my photos or whatever onto it mm -hmm. or you know if it's just absolutely bad weather okay let's throw a dvd in and watch or whatever or right uh, especially when the kids were younger um but we were at pancake bay up uh, north of uh, Sault Ste. Marie there. And there's this massive trailer parked there. And we're walking by and they're, you can see they got their door open and all that. And they're big air conditioners on the roof. And they got a big 50-inch TV and a satellite dish. Why? They're enjoying Why? the outdoors, Sean. <laughs> they're enjoying getting out there and I enjoying the outdoors. Do, I can do that at home. <laughs> I mean, mind you, I, I say the same thing about people. We've been tent camping and, you know, the tent across from us has got 
you know, 10 two fours of beer sitting there. I can do that at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I want to mm-hmm. sit and swill beer, yeah. I can do that in my garage <laughs> and not have to pay $35 a night to camp. <laughs> $35 is almost another case of beer. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. So, um, yeah, I, 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 there's days where I long for, for the old times. And I think I'm really, I think I'm going to start swinging back towards this hybrid solution. I'm going to get myself away from fast portages, single portages. Absolutely. I'm getting myself away. I'm not even bringing GPS. You know, I'm learning my knots. I'm learning my old stuff again. Uh, You know, like if I can start doing all of that, I think that's going to be the way to go. And I think I'd probably have a lot of people that would really be interested in doing that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, take Mike Burns. He does the Cedar Strip canoes. You know, and that's sort of a, why are you getting away from these, you know, ultralight Kevlar fusion canoes? And if you do it nicely enough, a Cedar Stripper is light. It is. It really is. And it has that warm feeling of a decent canoe. So, yeah, I would just tell people, don't let the technology get between you and why you're out paddling, you know, you're out there to enjoy yourself. Yes. So don't let the, the technology come between that. Enjoy it. Take your time. You can enjoy your electronic devices at home. If you're outdoors, enjoy the outdoors. Definitely. Well, Derek, that's the uh, end of our first show of the year. I hope everybody enjoyed as much as uh, I did. That's for sure. And, uh, well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.